Keys to the kingdom. Jesus said, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom, plural. You're going to need them. You're going to need them. Why do we need keys? To lock things, to keep us from touching things and to unlock things that will keep us or to help us to receive the things of God. So I found out through the years that we keep locks around to keep people from uh, intruding places where they don't need to go. And so God, by his spirit, does some things. Some things he will lock people out of your life for a reason, because he said, if you are continuing to hang around them, that you would be like that. So sometimes God will not only remove people from your life, but maybe he will just lock doors from you having some type of connection with them. And for a reason. It's not the fact God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. But, but sometimes he put locks on things and relationships just to keep us from going back to them. You don't need in there. So you lock things. You lock things that are important to you. So keys to the kingdom are very, there are a couple, and we're going to talk about one this morning that I think is very vital, and you're going to need to know. It's called endurance. Endurance. Endurance in the Christian life. It's a key. And I use the word key because, like I said, I used to call them principles and people started yawning. So I use the word keys now and you still yawn. But Hebrews 12 and 1 in the in the ESV version, it says this. Let us run this race with endurance that is set before us. Let us. Let us run this race with endurance. Now, if you have a good old King James, it'll use the word patience. If you operate out of the NIV Bible, it'll use the word perseverance. Just take one. We don't care. Perseverance is, is two words in the Greek, per and sever. And we've said this a lot. Perseverance means this. The word per, it means to continue forward. And, and, and severance is where we get something that's been amputated or removed or injury, like an, an artery been severed or an arm has been severed off or we have had a severe wound. And by using the word perseverance, Paul said that even though we have, we have suffered great injury in our lives, it's, it, it's very severe. It's left a mark. It's removed something from our life. But even though something has been severely damaging to us or even amputated or severed from our life, we are still per, we're still moving forward. That's who I am. That's who we are. Let me back that up. That's who a lot of us are. We have lost things. We've had things happen to us. We didn't plan on it. We didn't count it. We didn't want it, but it happened to us. But we learned through the grace of God and the principles of endurance that even though these things have come our way, but we are living proof that we survived and God is greater than our sufferings. But you're not that strong and you're not that smart and you're not that spiritual. And if you don't believe me, God has a way of taking your britches down and giving you a big old paddling and every once in a while say, see what it's like without me. I'll get back with you. Woo! Been there, done that long time ago. Don't want that. It's a lonely world without God and his people. So he said, let us run this race with patience. So he used the word in the athletic term. He does this a lot, whether it be in efficiency, it's, it's, it's a military town, so he'll use military things. And Colossae, it's a fabric, it's a, it's a fabric capital of the world, so he'll talk about clothes and black wool. And but when he gets to Hebrews, it's a combination of all. So he uses it all as an athlete. Let us run this race with patience. So two, about three weeks ago, we were on a cruise, and 
Imagine that, I went on a cruise. And, and we were in Jamaica. And, and it's not really a place, it's okay, it's all right. And, but they had a little, a little clip on the television about, it was about 10 or 12 minutes about the uh, people in Jamaica preparing for a marathon. It's pretty interesting. Some people can run marathons, I cannot. I had a bumper sticker or a window sticker on that marathon, you know, it said 0.0, that's me, I don't run. I'm not built to run. But it was, I think it was a, it was a marathon of some type and for the country of Jamaica. And, and I watched this and I will tell you, I, I watched them, some of them, uh, they, some finished strong and smiling and then some were limping and struggling and grabbing legs. And, and then some was collapsed on the side of the road, waving a white towel, looking for a taxi. It's true. Evidently, it was a very grueling run up in the mountains, and I understand. But about three weeks ago, I, I kind of I watched this, and, and what they were doing is they really wanted to give up. Too much, too painful. And so sometimes endurance that I found in the Christian life is not exciting and it's not flashy, but the scripture says you're going to have to have it to finish. We went to a Mayan cave and there was, a, there was six of us and two other gentlemen. One gentleman was, was older and he's by himself, a little rough looking, he kind of reminds you of, I don't know. I'm not going to say. But he was by himself. And Jimmy kind of hung around with him a little bit. And we were all together in a group. And it was very nice. He was very cordial. And, and I, on this bus ride, I said, are you here by yourself? He said, no, my first cruise. He's 60-something. And I said, he's from Odessa. And I said, well, where's your bus? He said, they left me. He said, my brother stuck me in a room and it was the wrong, I'm on the wrong tour guide. So, so we're 50 miles from where he's supposed to be. I said, well, it's all right. We'll, this is my family and you know, we'll, we'll treat you like family. We got some weird relatives ourselves. So just come on and, and uh, we stopped and ate lunch afterwards. And he said, you got a wonderful family. He's talking about Jeremy and the kids. And I said, thank you. And he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a preacher. And he kind of looked at me, he said, man, I wish I'd have met you 25 years ago. He's serious. And he said, I, was, I had my own business, had a successful business in Odessa. And somebody offered me a little speed to stay awake so I could keep my business going. I got hooked on meth. A man stole $100. I shot him. So I didn't kill him. But uh, he said, I spent several years in prison and he said, I got out a, few years, a couple years ago, and he said, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And I looked at him and I said, brother, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you go to church or not, but here's the, here's the deal. And we're right in the middle of a cafeteria, and they got in their serving tequila, and they got Mexican music going on. But you can be a witness no matter where you are. <laughs> and no, I'm not drinking. <laughs> and Gayla's not on the table dancing. Well, she might have been, but we don't have pictures of that. And I said, it's not how you begin this thing, brother. It's how you end it. I said, end it with God. Just end it with God. He said, all right. So what is he going to do with that? Who knows? But the scripture says, here's the deal. 
you're going to need endurance. He didn't say it would be nice if you had it. He said, you're going to need it. You're going to need it to finish. And I don't know about you, but I want to finish. I do. And when the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, for some of you charismatic and Pentecostalisms and all that, before he talks about the power gifts and before he talks about the power of God and the spiritual gifts, he gives them a resume of his afflictions. And they were more interested in hearing about the gifts of the spirit and, 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 and the power of God and, the, and be strong in the power of his might. he talks about. But he, but he said, before I get into that, I want to tell you, there, there's, no, there's no fairy tales and fabrications of anything. Paul had a pile of trials. And he said, I'm going to tell you straight up before you go in this thing, you're going to suffer and you're going to hurt and you're going to feel alone and you're going to feel confused and, and you're going to be abused and you're going to be physically and mentally tortured from the time you are born to the time you leave this planet. But there's one thing that you will need above all. You're going to need endurance to continue forward. And where does that come from? So let's talk about that. It's found in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. How do we acquire endurance? Romans 5 and 3. Not only that, but we rejoice, and I know that's a misprint, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Thank you for that rouse of applause too. No, you, I'm just joking with you. How do we get endurance? It's not through a pay raise. It's not winning the lottery. It's not when the doctor gives you a perfect bill of health. It's not when your homes look like the cleavers instead of the Adams and the Munsters. It's not that. You're going to have separation. You're going to go through divorces. You're going to have premature deaths. You're going to have all this stuff, but something down on the inside will not let you fold like a bad lawn chair. What is that? It's God working in you. Suffering produces endurance. So the Apostle Paul, the first thing he says this, if you want endurance and you've got to have it to finish it, he tells the, the people in, in Hebrews, so how do you get it? Here's the answer. Suffering. And the first thing when I say things like you go, I'm out, see you later. Everybody wants to be a Daniel, but everybody's allergic to cat hair. You understand? Everybody wants to be David, but they're afraid of John's. Listen, Goliaths cannot kill you. Goliaths cannot kill you. All Goliath was was to enunciate who David was. You're looking at this wrong. You go, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. What you're going through, and the key word is through, what you're facing is nothing more than a Goliath or a, a megaphone to announce that when God gets through at that thing, that he will be greater than the thing that comes against him. So whatever you're going through right now, all Goliath was to enunciate that God is greater in that little boy than what's coming against him in me. So don't worry about it. It's okay. Suffering produces endurance. So it's called a, it's called a circular reasoning uh, 
it's called circular reason, what it's called. It's called, you need endurance to make it through trials, but you get endurance by going through trials. It's called circular reasoning. So you need endurance for you to survive through trials, but the only way you get the endurance is you have to go through trials. No fun. And the question I want to ask you this morning is that you don't have to raise your hand and you don't, you don't have to announce it aloud, but how many people that you know that has said they're going to do great things, but you find them laying on the side of the road, folded up. They needed endurance. And we're going to talk about that. So if we need endurance to survive the trials, how do I get it? I have to go through the trials. And, and the question is, how does that work? And, and how does that make any sense? So here's the analogy this morning. Let's say today that, and I know that you're not, but maybe you're here right now, right now. And your endurance level is out. You can't go any further. And let's say that you're on the side of your spiritual road with your thumb sticking out and you're mumbling, I quit. Don't raise your hand because I'm going to raise my hand. How many times that things have not gone our way and we have done everything we can to propel the kingdom of heaven forward and the more we move forward, it seems like the worst things happen to us. We'll talk about it next week. Your neighbor gets the pay raise and they don't go to church. Why is that? Why does good things happen to bad people? That's the deal. Don't worry about why bad things happen to good people. Why does good things happen to bad people? The idea this morning is that we all find ourselves at times and say, I've had enough. They're not worshiping. They're not listening. They're not paying attention. The more I try to witness, the more they spit in my face. The more I try to live for God, the more the government takes my money. And, and I'm, I'm wore out. I'm tired. I quit. I quit. And I quit with my bottom lip hanging down past my chin. <laughs> and I know you would never do that. Never. Well, congratulations. You're in good company with most of God's children. Listen to one of God's favorite guys in the Old Testament. Listen to this. This is one of God's favorite men in the Old Testament. Lamentations 3, 17 and 18. His name is Jeremiah. I gave up on life altogether. I've forgotten what the good life is like. Stop right there. He's in the ministry. <laughs> He's in the ministry. You didn't even know you had a devil until you signed up to teach Sunday school. You didn't know you could have financial problems until you decided to honor God with your tithe. You didn't know that. Oh, you've been tipping all your life, but I'm tithing. I'm going to start tithing to God. And boy, you didn't know that financial demons. You didn't know. You, you, you didn't even know that there was sickness and disease until one day you repeat the prayer. By his stripes I'm healed, healed, and every demon of sickness come on you that week. You had COVID, COVID-1, COVID-2, and COVID-3, and then a disease that's only known to equine and bovine animals. Jeremiah got in the ministry, and they go, ooh, he's great. Well, sure he's great, but listen to him. I gave up on life altogether. 
I've forgotten what the good life is like. That's what he's saying. You know, he's dealing with people. He's dealing with Judah. Ooh. He's, de- <laughs> he's, dealing, he's dealing with people in churches. Not that you're bad. I'm just talking about him, not me. Watch what he says. And I said to myself, this is it. I'm finished. <clears throat> God is a lost cause. Did I tell you you were in good company? And for anybody that would say that I've never said that, you're a liar. And Revelation says, well, you got a place to go. We've all said times that I think this is a lost cause. I missed it. Somebody misguided me. God, you lied to me. And here Jeremiah was called by God, the prophet to the nation of Judah. He was the last prophet before God would impend judgment upon them. And in all of his working, he said, I forgot what the good life is like. It wasn't the fact that he, 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 he wanted to go out and party on a cruise ship. He just said, I, I forgot what it's like just to be normal. But my job and my assignment was given to people that would not repent and they will not repent. And God already told me they would not repent. And you know what? I said to myself, I'm finished. God is a lost cause. In good old southern Oklahoma, it says, stick a fork in me, I'm done. That's what it says. So why would he say this? God called him. He spoke to him. Remember, this is the same guy. If, if, if some of you hadn't been awake, this is the same guy in Jeremiah 1 and 40. And this is what he told him. He said, before, I, before you were born, I knew you in your mother's womb. Same guy. I mean, this is a grown man. And the Lord said, while you was in your mother's womb, before you were formed, I knew you. And before you come out, I called you to be my prophet. And you know what he said? He goes, yeah, I can see it now. Caravan of camels, dressed in gold. I'll be, I'll be on every billboard in Judah. They'll all think I'm great. And it wasn't to be. Isn't it amazing that when we start with the concept of following God, we have this wish list that we want God and God secretly turns his back and tears it up. And, and he says, just follow me. When you fellows went to the military, the first day you realized that drill sergeant wasn't related to the guy that signs you up in the recruiting office. You know, the recruiting office said, hey, hey, you like to travel? I love to travel. Would you like to see the world? We'd love to see the world. And then they drop you out of a helicopter in the middle of nowhere. Well, what happens is that's kind of the way it is with God sometimes. We have this preconceived idea of what we want, and that may not, because he tells him, and I say, my ways are not your ways. So you might as well tear up your calendar and throw away your planner book. Just follow me. So Jeremiah had got to a point where he said, I'm done. Even though that God told him that before you come out of your mother's womb, I knew you. I had a relationship with you. I was intimate with you. And before you come out of your mother's belly, I'd already ordained you to be a prophet. He told them as a grown man. I mean, wouldn't that motivate you? I mean, wouldn't it motivate you? Even Mike Spells, it would motivate him, I think. I'm not for sure. But if an angel dropped down out of heaven and said, Mike Spells, I am with you and I'll always be with you. And no matter what, I will stay near to you and you're my man. And he's going, woohoo. And then you know what happens Monday morning. It all comes crashing down. So he said, I give up. I've lost it. 
Now, the reason why that's important, because I, I, need, to, I need to clarify something to you that I'm, I'm pretty good at. I, I am not a counselor. I'm a cardiologist. I deal with the heart. Because if, if we can get to the heart, then, then the thoughts will take care of itself. If I can change your heart through God, then the, then the body will, will line up to the heart. So we have a very funny story after the Babylonian captivity of 70 years. Nebuchadnezzar went there and took it 70 years. Ezra began to rebuild the temple, and now Nehemiah is going to rebuild the wall. So it's a long story, but we'll make this in one minute. So Nehemiah goes to the king of Xerxes, and he says, I want to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild and put honor and dignity back into the city of Jerusalem. He said, go, and I'll give you the funding to do it. He's a great king. And when he gets there, he travels around, then he comes back and he said, this is what we're going to need. And Xerxes said, I'll provide it. Just go. Go do what you need to do. So here's the spoiler alert. It takes 52 days to build the wall. 52 days. Spoiler alert, 52 days. So here's the verse. He, he gets them all together and he riles them up and, 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 and he's got cupcakes and bean suppers and he said, we can do this. They go, yeah, we can do this. We can rebuild the wall. So here's what it says. So we built the wall and all the wall was joined together, half of it. For the people had a mind to work. So in English, when he got them all together, and they, and, and they said, hey, you want to build the wall? They said, we want to go. We want to go. So let's build it. Let's build it. And we got a mind to work. We'll get together and we got these people that can do that. And we got these people can dig the dishes. And these people can grave out the stones. And these people, they can, they can haul the lumber. And these people can mix the mortar. And you people just sit and give orders. That's the way it's going to work. And they got it half done because they had a mind to work. But look what about two verses says later. And Judah said, which was one of the tribes, the leader said, the strength of the bearers, the burdens is decayed because there's so much rubbish that we have to go through so that we're not able to finish the wall. 26 days into the 52 day process, they had a mind to work. But halfway in it, they gave up. They said the rubbish because the stones were burned out. This is too much. They waved the white flag and said, it's too much. It's impossible. They gave up. Now, the end of the story is that we had some motivators and with spears and swords, and Nehemiah said, you're going to go to work. <laughs> you're going to get this. But anyway, they got it built in 52 days. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It's going to take more than a made-up mind for you to finish your race with Christ. It's going to take more than a made-up mind for you to complete this thing. You better have a heart filled with determination and endurance if you're going to finish this race with success. Did you hear what I said? It's going to take more than us getting our minds together. It will require great endurance if we're going to finish this task. And through the years of 35 years of this, I've seen a lot of people come in this door and said, oh, yeah, we're here. You can count me. You can write my name on the wall. I'll be here forever. And I've never seen them. They come one week and they're gone. I understand. But it's going to take more than a mind to work. Because the mind will wear out and the mind will get fatigued after a while. And they'll just say, it's too much rubbish. It's just too much. We can't do it. And the scripture says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in doing us. 
is power on the inside. You're going to need endurance this week. And the way you're going to get endurance this week is because you went through a little bit of suffering this past week. And instead of whining and complaining to God why you had to go through something, I'm telling you this morning, here is your $64 answer that you didn't ask me. The reason why we are going through some things is because it's producing endurance or character or perseverance or patience in us that we can withstand and endure anything that comes our way because we've got to finish this thing. We've got to finish it. And we're going to finish it strong. You understand me? I'm here to finish. So, how did Jeremiah respond to his own negativity on his life? Here's the answer. He just changed his focus. Same guy, just a, a verse or two later. So how did he change? It's five verses. Watch this. Same guy, same chapter. But he said, I'll never forget the trouble, <laughs> the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. Wow. I remember it all and hope how I remember it well, the feeling of hitting the bottom. Have you ever hit bottom? Can I, can I see a raise of hand that you spiritually, mentally, physically just hit bottom while you were following Christ? The whole bottom fell out of you. You lost everything that was precious to you, things that we thought was going to work out did not. The love boat turned into a Titanic. Your prince turned into a toad. He said, I remember it all. And I remember it so well. I remember the feeling of hitting bottom. Go ahead, son. But there's one thing that I do remember and I keep remembering and I keep a grip on home. God's loyal love couldn't have run out and his merciful love couldn't have dried up. They create new mornings for me and how great is your faithfulness. You see, Jeremiah, he gave you two verses of an honest complaint. I forgot what the good life was. I think God is a lost cause. And I'm still digesting the hurt and the pain and the rejection and the laughter and the mocking. I'm, I'm still regurgitating someone walked out of my life. I'm still hashing over getting fired. I'm still going through all this process and it's like reflux. It comes up every night in my mind and I relive that, that acid flux. But I can continue to do this. And not only will it poison myself, but it'll poison my family and everyone else, or I can change my focus. And I do remember the bad things happened to me, but I remember the faithfulness of God. And his mercies are new every morning. And I'm going to keep a grip on that, he said. You see, two things that Jeremiah is telling you. Number one, he figured out that God's mercy would never run out and his mercy would never run out on him. You have a choice this morning. And I, I'm, I'm with you and I understand today 
But the keys of finishing with success for Jeremiah was he remembered the promises of God. He remembered the keys of God. And right in the middle of his frustration and his emptiness and, and, and all these things he's talking about, he said, and, but I do remember the day when the Lord came to me and reminded me that I was his prophet and I was in my mother's womb. And I remember that. And I remember the time that he provided for me that occasion. And I remember when that happened and I remember when that happened and he began to get a grip on the promise of God. And when he did that, watch this, he changed his focus. If your focus is on this section right here, you're going to be discouraged. And, and if your focus is on church attendance or church's vitality, you're going to be disappointed. But if your focus is on God and Christ, you will never be disappointed because his faithfulness is new every morning. Every morning. Every morning. I love on that ship. I, I love to get up early. I love it. I love to get up here when the sun's not even up. Jeremy is out on the deck a couple of times before the sun even come up. I love it. I mean, I love it. That water's like glass. No kids screaming. It's, it's just me and God. And he'll talk to me. He said one time, throw Jeremy off the ship. But I knew it wasn't God. I knew it wasn't him. <laughs> but even this week, I told God, I, I kind of left. There's some things going on. It's okay. It's not between me and Gala. And God reminded me through this. He said, my faithfulness are new every morning, son. And things may or may not be going financially right, but God told me, he said, put a price on that. Put a price on that sunrise. Put a price on my creation. And I really began to change my focus once again, recalibrate, readjust. And I know you never have to do that. I know you don't because you're perfect. And you're always angels up in the air harping about something. I understand. But once again, he reminded me in a wonderful way, my mercy will never run out and my mercy will never run out on you. I'll be with you. And it, here's what happened. Once again, I got born again. I got born again. And you may say, well, I thought you were already saved. Well, I am, knucklehead. You can get born again over and over and over. I mean, born again. It means this wonderful intimacy with God. And when you can do that, change your focus. You're not the same people you were last Sunday to me. When I can change my focus and get my eyes upon Christ, then I don't see the ugliness of this world. My eyes is fixed on him. And God's mercy is new every morning for me. And I don't have to worry about you. And I don't have to worry about empty pews. And I don't have to worry about the electric bills. As long as I stay connected and my eyes fixed to him, then his grace is enough for me. So quit looking at one another. Just lift up a little bit. Isn't it amazing every time that Jesus got in a situation? Isn't it amazing? The Bible says three times. He lifted up his eyes and he prayed. He did. 
three times where there's certain situations that were that were hazardous to his life here on earth. The Bible says that he lifted it, but it means a change of focus. He didn't say, do you see them coming? Do you see them coming? He didn't say that at all. He just lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, one of the greatest things you can do this week is this, as you suffer and you go through something, understand it will produce something in your life that suffering is the only way that you can get it. You'll be stronger than you ever was before you entered it. Trust me. Change your focus. So this morning, I asked you a couple questions. Has your endurance reserve ran out? Are you wanting to quit? Don't answer it. Do you find yourself on the side of your spiritual marathon waving a white towel? Do you often tell God, I don't think life, life is fair? Well, here's a spoiler alert. It's not. But being unchallenged results in being unchanged. And here's the last one. That a faith that cannot be tested is certainly a faith that cannot be trusted. And that's what I want on my monument. That's what I want on my tombstone. that our whole life was a series of being challenged, but in the challenge produced change. But on my tombstone, I wanted to say that a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And I've got good news for you this morning. You can trust him. You can trust him. So for all of you this morning that are weary and brokenhearted and you're suffering and you're going through some things mentally, physically, emotionally, I'm with you and I understand. But some things in your life was never meant to be changed. Some things in your life was meant to be endured. And you spend most of your life asking God to change that individual in your life. And God said, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to change you. So quit worrying about your neighbor and quit worrying about this and quit worrying about that. God is developing character in your life and he's commanded us to have character, not be one. So if we're going through some things mentally, emotionally, physically, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of glad because something wonderful is being produced in your life. It's endurance. And I got news for you, Brother Ron Brown, we're going to finish strong. We're going to finish well, Ken Burge. We're going to finish Resendez with strength and the vibrancy of God because God has given us his endurance that we will survive every storm that comes our way. You can make it. You will make it. You agree with that? All right. Stand with me if you would, please. Give the Lord a praise offering today, huh? The Lord is working. I know none of you have ever said what Jeremiah said, but he said, God's a lost cause. But sometimes God will take you to situations and around people where you don't need to be before he'll take you to places where you need to be. He'll let you wander off and he'll let you go here and there and bounce around like a pinball. 
But while you're there, deep down, there's an emptiness and there's a hollowness there. And all it really is that God's just telling you, this is not where you belong. For you this morning that stumbled through the door, you're not here by accident. The prophet of God is here to remind you that God knows you've been suffering and you've been hurting and your mind is stretched to its limits. The finances are bad. Things are home are not good. But there's something that's being produced in your life that is greater than anything that can be accomplished in this life. And it's called endurance. And the scripture says we're going to need it to finish this race. So let us run this race. Let us keep the faith. And let's finish the course that God has set before us. And we can do it with endurance. Father, this morning for every one of us today that we've in the last week or two or month or maybe the past year or years, that we know exactly what our elder brother Jeremiah felt. The weeping and the lamenting of things not going right, going well. We know that we're sons of God. That's not a question. We felt your touch. We've heard your voice. We know from without any shadow of a doubt that we've been called from the foundation of the earth to, to follow you and walk in the, the pattern of, of godly things. But on the outside, everything is, seems to be in reverse. But we repent and apologize this morning if we've ever said anything that, that would even question your sovereign will for our lives. I just need to change my focus and thank you for giving me the last few days to do that. Thank you for sticking me on a ship on the backside of nowhere to recalibrate my focus. And I got to see really once again how big you are. There's none like you. So this morning, for all of us, we're just gonna change our focus today. And for the next 15 seconds before we celebrate Holy Communion, we're going to take about 15 seconds and I'm going to time it. And everything that is around you and you've been staring at and things have been staring at you and, and giving you the spiritual stink, I, I want you to stop it. I just want you to change your focus this morning. And as Jesus did, he lifted up his eyes and he began to look at the Father. And Jeremiah said, I, I remember these things, but I remember your faithfulness. So for the next 15 seconds, we're going to change our focus today. And we're going to think about all the good things that God has blessed us with. And we'll begin. He loves you this morning. God loves you this morning. He is with you. 
His love and mercy will never run out and it will never run out on you. We're going to finish with success in Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. God is good. Turn about three people and say, I love you and I'm glad you're a part of my life. Can you do that? Communion servers, please come this way. Now, some of you are going to say when you walk out the door, you're going to say, I have suffered so much. I'm the endurance champion. There you go. But <laughs> well, you're going to need it. And the reason why you're going to need it is because you don't know what you're going to face this week. He knows. So 2,000 years ago, our Lord sat down with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup. We celebrate Holy Communion every week. It's a, because why? It causes us to remember. The key to turning Jeremiah's life around, what was it? He remembered. He remembered. Communion is only a, a focal point where we change our focus that we begin to remember of his love and his commitment for us. And so for that, we're very thankful. He took the bread and he blessed it. And he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. John 6, it said that the father rained manna from heaven and bread from heaven down. And your fathers did eat of it, but your fathers did hunger but I am the bread of life, and if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And they ate of it. And he took the cup, which is the third cup that, of that night, the cup of redemption. And he said, as in, in Egypt of old, the first Passover, that they would take the, the blood of a lamb and they would place it in the shape of a cross over the doorpost. That when the death angel Abaddon would come, it would pass over that house. And Jesus said, I am the Lamb of God, and my Father now will take my blood and place it in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And he said, as often as you take this cup and as often as you eat of this bread, here's the key. You'll remember me. With wars and tensions of wars and poverty and diseases, and crisis and wounds and hate that has so filled our world. Everywhere you go, every channel that you turn on, every street corner that you turn, you see hate and rage and anger and things that dishonor the Father. But we bring you back to these two sacred elements, the bread and the cup, you will remember me. That's why we're here. Father, bless this cup and bless this bread. And for all that partake of it, they will change their focus on your goodness today. In Christ's name, amen.